good, good stuff. We're not fighting, say I'm not fighting, I'm not fighting. For, victory. for victory. I'm fighting, I'm fighting. From, victory. from victory. Well, that's good to know. Okay, let's get, uh, y'all ready to roll? Get your uh, seat backs, tray tables in their upright and locked position. Seat belts fastened, of course. We're getting ready to take off. As soon as I can get this to behave. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Had to improvise up in here. So I'm teaching on Revelation, not the whole book, but I'm teaching on a portion of it these seven letters that are written to the church. They are love letters from Jesus. They are good news from start to finish. Everybody say good news. Give me some lights in the house. It's the good news of, and now this is a, a different twist that you may, uh, from, different from what you may have heard. Because Revelation confuses some people, scares some people, but there's nothing to be scared about. It's good news from start to finish. Good news about the extreme goodness and the radical favor of God. And this, this church, these, all these churches were going through some very, very tough times. And so I encourage you. Say, Pastor, encourages you. Okay, to do what? I, want, I encourage you to go back over if you miss any of these lessons because the background uh, will help you to understand everything else I'm talking about. If you want to get the most, in other words, if you want to get the most out of this series of messages, I don't know how long it's going to be, but those first couple of lessons gives you a good backdrop and a background and it lays a foundation and it will help you to understand better everything else, okay? All right, so we're going to dive right in. We, we started talking about these letters, or the first letter that was written to the Ephesian church. Those of you that are in the Summit Church community, um, I've got the map. The map was very small, but we posted a, a larger map where you can see it better on the uh, community community page, okay? I encourage you to follow along in the app, okay? Uh, because there's some fill in the blanks. It, it can help you engage. Studies have shown when you are engaged by doing a fill in the blank or taking notes, any way that, that you engage, it'll help you to retain these things. Because I'm not up here just preaching. I want you to get a hold of these things, okay? All right, so we started talking about this first letter that was written uh, to the Ephesians. Now, these are not filtered through other people. They are uh, direct words from Jesus directly to the church, okay? And he told John to write what he saw. Okay, so... What's the significance of the introduction that we, we closed talking about this uh, introduction to the letter to the Ephesians? Um, and so, what's the significance of this in introduction? One is God is not throwing lightning bolts of condemnation from heaven down on the church. Now, all these letters are, are written to encourage the church. See, sometimes people look at God as a bully, and, and he's like, he's watching you. You better watch out. I mean, he's making a list and checking it twice. Want to see if you're naughty or nice. He's not that, that, that kind of God, all right? He's, he's not distant God, a distant God wandering the galaxies. <laughs> no. He's right here with us, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's for us, not against us. 
He, he holds us securely in his right hand. Okay. So this first verse says, to the angel of the church. Man, there's a lot in this verse. We covered some of it. To the angel of, of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the, why don't you re read it with me? To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Man, it's tempted, tempting to go back over that, man. But Jesus is, is uh, or tempted not to go back over it. But it's really important to understand that the lampstands are the churches and Jesus is walking in the midst. He's not wandering the galaxies. He's right here in our midst today. Amen? Thank you, Lord. And so, um, he says in, let me see, the, I believe that is in the second verse. Go to my physical Bible here. I may have left out a scripture. Okay. Yeah, in verse 2, it says, which we will eventually get to, but I'll just read it to you. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil. We're going to be dealing with that today. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. There are false apostles out there. And so hopefully we can cover all of this uh, today. I omitted that second verse, but that's where he starts off that verse saying, I know your works. Everybody say, I know. And this is very important. Jesus says, I know because he wants us to know that he cares for you. And he, he is intimately acquainted with all the details in our life, no matter how small they are. The very hairs of your head are, are numbered. See, God's knowing reflects his loving. See, uh, there's some people that go around talking about, well, you know, God is watching you. He knows what you did, like I said earlier. And this invokes fear in some people. But see, God's knowing reflects. See, this is, this is why you've got to read the, the Bible through the lens of the cross. Because if, if, if you are taught that God is always watching you to see what you're doing wrong and see what mistakes you're made, uh, uh, making, he's got this big stick and he's ready to clobber you whenever you, you do wrong. If, if you're looking for judgment, then that's what you're going to see. I know you. I know what you're doing. But see, God's knowing reflects his loving. See, can you see... The difference when you're reading the Bible through the lens of his finished work. See, because he loves you, he takes an interest in your life. The one that knows the number of hairs on your head knows exactly what you're going through. And he cares. He knows the, the trials and hardships that you're facing. So, Okay, why? Now, let, let's, we're going to look at this real close because you, you may be seeing some things that are a little bit different than what you've been taught. Um, why mention their deeds? Now, it's important he's talking about, I, I know your works, okay? And uh, he talks about your perseverance and so forth. He's not, in, he's not commending them right here, but he's encouraging them. He's mentioning, now we're going to see, I mean, he's not, it's not a commendation. I didn't say condemnation. It's not a commendation. He's not commending them for these works because they were, they were going about it wrong. We'll see that later. But when he says, I know your deeds, what, 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 this is, what he's doing here, he's encouraging them. Because sometimes when you're doing things, uh, for the Lord, you, you may be working in church and serving. Nobody says anything to you. And um, it's, it's easy to feel un, underappreciated, unnoticed. But 
And, you know, it, it can look like nobody cares, but Jesus cares. He sees exactly what you're doing. He, he's telling this Ephesian church, they were working hard, okay? He, he says, I know how hard you're working. I see your deeds. He mentioned their toil. I, I see that. I, 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 and, and so he's encouraging them. I see how hard you're working. All right? And, um, but this is not a commendation. To know, here, here's this verse in verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and perseverance. This is from the NIV. Um, the word know, it, it means, it simply means I see. It's not a commendation, very important distinction. It, it means, I, the word know means I see, or um, I'm aware. I'm aware of your, your deeds, your hard work your perseverance. Now, um, one translation says your toil. Um, now, it's, it's important to know that in these letters, Jesus uses the words, I know, in regards to both good deeds and bad deeds. Like, when he, we'll get to this very popular verse that a lot of people know about Revelation. I, I wish you were either hot or cold. Okay. Now, if we look at that verse, it's in Revelation 3.15. And I look forward to discussing that. But right before he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So that's not a commendation. But he said, I know. So he's simply basically saying, um, I see, or I'm aware of your work. Now, the word toil, one translation talks about their toil. It means their labors, weariness, extreme Extreme weariness and beating. Everybody say beating. Okay. Toil means labors, extreme weariness, and beating. So this church of Ephesus were taking a beating. They were working themselves to exhaustion. Going to church twice on Sundays, every day in the week. You know, there's some people to do that. And they don't have time for their families, and they're working themselves silly. But that's not God's plan for us, to work ourselves to exhaustion. He said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you more burdens. No, I'll give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this Ephesian church, this, this um, seaport city, very busy, a lot of trade, a lot of travels, travelers, pilgrims going through there as, as we talked about. So this is a very busy city, and this is and and the church took on this busyness, and and that's what they're doing in the church. It's a busy church in a busy city. They were worn out. Okay. Now, um, why did he mention? Now he mentioned their deeds, their hard work, and what else? Perseverance. Now this is very interesting because when we get over to the church of Philadelphia. He, um, he commended them for keeping, listen, the word of his perseverance. Everybody say the word of his perseverance. The word of his perseverance. But the Ephesians were, were known for their perseverance. <laughs> See, so with the Philadelphia church, they kept the word of his or Jesus' perseverance they were impressed, the Philadelphia church were impressed with the Lord's labor. While the Ephesian church was, was trying to impress Jesus with their own. Or, 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 so why would he commend, the, he, he used perseverance in regard to the church at, at Philly, but but them, he didn't commend them for their perseverance. Why? Because, see, the Philadelphia church was bragging about his perseverance. 
they kept, they kept the word of his perseverance. The Ephesians, they were known for how hard they were working. They were working in and of their own strength. It's not about working. It's about how you work. See, Paul, the Bible says of Paul, I labor more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Some people say, well, don't you have to work on the grace? But it's spirit-directed. It's not self-effort. It's spirit-directed effort. Now, he didn't rebuke them for it, and he didn't commend them either. He just said, okay, I see how hard you're working. See? He, he wasn't saying to them, well done, you hard-working servants. <laughs> okay. Now, why, why mention their perseverance? Now, this is why. Because they were working themselves to exhaustion. And, um, and that was not good. It was not good for them. All right? Now, I know you're, now watch this. Y'all listening? I know your works, your labor, and your patience. This is from the same verse from the New King James. Now watch this. And this goes to show you. See, this is not God patting them on the back like some people think. Oh, man, you're working hard for the Lord. See, um, there's a song. It's, and it's interesting how people will take songs and they take it out of their context. Even um, songs that, like, people love and people, um, there's one song, a choir song, and I love choirs. But um, a lot of songs in religion focuses on your work. Um, there's a guy on ESPN comes on late at night, Scott Van Pelt, and he opens with a choir song. I'm not tired yet. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, and he's saying it because he comes on around midnight and he's saying he's not tired yet. It's totally taken out of context. But, uh, and I don't want to pick on songs, but sometimes we sing these songs it's like, I'm not tired yet, and, and just focus on, like, I'm, I'm working hard. Anybody ever heard? It's not, that's not the only song, so I don't just want to pick on, on that song. But that's why we're very careful about what songs we sing here. I mean, because, I mean, it's like, oh, I'm working hard. I even, I even heard a song talking about we shed our blood. And, it's, it's, and I want to sing the song, and, it's, and I, I, I shared it with, with one of our praise team, but we're going to twist it. We're gonna, I, I, it's got some good stuff in it, but it's just a mixture in it. Even I'm not tired yet. It's got some mixture in it, but the focus is on how hard you're working for God. I'm not tired yet. This other song talking about I've shed my blood. I was like, how are we going to sing we shed? What blood have we shed? <laughs> be, but people, they sing it hard too, man. And people will fall out and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes what we're doing, we're conveying the wrong message. God's not, see, Jesus is not commending them here. He said, like, I know your works and your labor and your patience. All of those things are good things. He's like, well, pastor, isn't he commended them? These are good things. But it's how they're doing it. Now, watch this. The new covenant, uh, another scripture in the new covenant is first, everybody say works, labor, patience. I should have put both these up here together. Okay, now watch this. Paul says to the, to the church, the Thessalonians, he said, remember your work of labor of patience of. <laughs> now, see, that's a commendation. It's not just work, but it's their work in faith. Oh, my goodness, I'm preaching here. So, so when we're working, we're depending, on, we're working by faith. That's not ourselves. 
We're working by faith in what Jesus has done, and faith in the finished work. So we're directed by His Spirit. And it's not just labor. It's our labor of love, depending on the unconditional love of the Father and resting in His love. And that's how we, we work. Like Paul said, he worked. But you know what he said? He said, the love of God constrains me. <laughs> oh, so, so it's not just patience, the patience of hope. Amen. Not just perseverance, but perseverance of hope. Okay. So, you know, so if you look at this, what was missing in their, all their toils and labors was faith, hope, and love. All right. Now, but even after all that, Jesus didn't scold them, scold them. He's always encouraging us. He said, like, I, I see you. <laughs> okay? You're just going about it wrong. All right. Now, here, here's something uh, that, that is commendable about them. He said something else that he knows. He said, I know you, you've tested I know your deeds, your hard work, perseverance, and I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people or you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are what? They're not. These false apostles would, would come through the church. And um, everybody say test it. They tested people that came through there who claimed to be apostles but are not and found them what? Found them false. So, um, cannot test, cannot tolerate. So, what he's talking about is when it comes to tolerate, some translations say that they could not bear. He uses the word bear, cannot bear evil men. They did not support them in any form, but they tested them and they, and, and, and they um, exposed them as liars. Now, in other churches in Revelation, there are, are a couple of other churches where these evil men came through there. These false apostles were evil men, false prophets. They were liars. They came and they, great, they did great damage to the church. They reached re havoc in the church, okay? But the Ephesians church were, were to be commended because they did not allow these people to come in. They tested them and sent them on their way. They didn't let them infiltrate the church. Because see, uh, evil, evil people can, uh, can split churches and do damage, all right? Um, and, and see, Paul, this same church at Ephesus warned them, and you can see this in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31, he warned them to be on guard against savage wolves which, which would come along and try to harm the flock. And they did that. <laughs> okay? They listened. So, there are, are a lot of uh, the people that traveled through Ephesus. There were, were a, among those travelers were a lot of these false prophets and false apostles. And the Ephesians tested them. They tested them all. And they sent them on their way, praise God, because they examined them and they were, they were guarding the church. See, so they endured these attacks if we go to verse uh, 3, dealing with these evil men. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Everybody say endured. So what did they endure? They endured these, these hardships which were attacks from wolves in sheep's clothing. Amen. And a good pastor guards his church against these folks. Amen. So, now there's no record of them having, they, 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 or they didn't deal with divisive people from outside the church. These were folks 
They were trying to get inside the church. And that's no small thing. And, and Paul, the, the prospect of this kind of thing happening, false apostles coming in and, and doing damage to the church, the prospect of that happening brought tears to Paul's eyes. We'll look at Acts chapter 20, the scripture that I referenced. We'll look at a couple of verses. Also from among yourselves. Now, he's, he's talking to the elders or the pastors here in Acts chapter 20 in the context. He's talking about the pastors in that region, in the Ephesus region. And he said, also, from among yourselves. Say, from among yourselves. Sometimes these people will come up right from among us, speaking perverse things. To what? See, they always have an agenda. There's one thing about um, false prophets, false uh, apostles, false brethren. Man, there's a lot going on. A lot of people, you can, you, anybody can be an apostle now. And uh, if I'm not careful, I can get lost in the weeds here, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to stay focused. But you got to watch out for these folks. And as a, a good pastor, not just a teacher, you, you got to guard the flock. Because these folks, one of the things in common about them, they lie. They lie. Some of them are, are greedy. They're about money. And try to start churches from uh, some, somebody else's fruit, goes on and on, okay? And, and see, even though, even though th th it's multi-layers to this, even though the, the, uh, the church can keep away, if they're successful, keep away, keeping away these people, the aftermath of it, and what the pastors and leaders are let, left to dealt with, to, to, to deal with, is the stuff that happens after they leave and the, the little seeds that they plant uh, with, with people. Getting people to question leadership and things like that. And a lot of times the leaders are left to kind of pick up the pieces. And you can, and you can get weary with that. You can get tired Dealing with this, the aftermath of this kind of stuff. Pastors know what I'm talking about. Okay? And so, but this Ephesian church, they didn't allow themselves to get weary because of these folks. They, they sent them packing. They sent, they sent these false people, false uh, ministers on their way packing. And they did not, uh, they didn't get weary. He said, Paul said to this, um, to these elders or pastors in the region of Ephesus, among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Again, they always have an agenda. He said, therefore, watch and remember that for three years. You think this is not serious? Because, see, the, the, the flock are at stake. See, this business of the church is no small thing. See, as I'm teaching here, we're dealing with your lives here. And the sheep should be able to come and eat in a safe and comfortable environment and not get sidetracked on human stuff. Because the challenge is the enemy is very clever. He knows that this word is traveling through a vessel that's imperfect. Y'all didn't know I, I wasn't perfect? And so, and, 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 and so, the enemy can try to get you to focus on my imperfections. And you miss the treasure that's coming through the vessel. <laughs> Amen, this is good teaching. He said, remember, I, I three, th for three, not three days, three years, 
I didn't cease to warn everyone night and day to the point of tears, brought tears to his eyes. Okay? Now, for my name's sake, back to the scriptures here, everything that he did, okay, was for his name's sake. And uh, so all the hard work that they were doing, they were doing it in the name of Jesus. So they had the right motive. So everything they did was, was, they did it as unto the Lord and to make him famous, to make his name known. So they, they wanted to lift up the name of Jesus in their city. So in verse 2, he tells them that, look, I know your wearisome, your wearisome toil. And then in verse 3, oops. It says, earlier he says, I know you're weary of some toil. But in verse 3, he said, you've not grown weary. I've known you're weary of some toil. You've not grown weary. So which is it? It can be confusing. Are they weary or are they not? Is they is or is they ain't weary? Okay, so... Let me explain this. So, a better way to read it is you've not, well, let me say this first. When he says he knows their wearisome toil, verse 3 says, you have not grown weary. So, what he's saying is you have not wearied of your toil. In other words, all the hard work that you're doing, you haven't quit. You work very hard, but this second word, you've not grown weary, you haven't quit. You haven't given up, even though you're working so hard. All right. So, are the Ephesians, were they a model church? The answer is no. Pastor, why, why do you say that? See, on the surface, they seem to be successful. Now, check, check out what, the, what this, this church has. They have been, the foundation was laid. The church was planted by uh, the apostle of grace, Paul. All right? And then one of their members is the apostle of love, which, who, who, is, who is John. Now, and so John taught them. Paul laid the foundation. They worked hard. They endured tough times. And best of all, their motives are pure. Everything that was, was done was in the name of Jesus. They seemed like the model church. But they had one flaw. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Everybody say, nevertheless. nevertheless. I have this against you, this that you have left your first love. Now, this, is been one, this is one of the most um, misunderstood verses in, in the Bible. I was going to say in Revelation, but in, in the Bible. See, their issue was, so see, here's what we're going to deal with. What does it mean to leave your first love? It means that they were no longer abiding in the love of God. The love that God has for them. He said, you've left your first love or, or protos agape. The word for first is protos, which means foremost. Agape means the, the sacrificial the, the, uh, the love of God, the unconditional love of God, self-sacrificing love of your heavenly Father. 
So protos means foremost. Agape is, only God is, is agape. He is, God doesn't have love. God is love. That word for love is agape. God is agape. They left their protos or foremost agape, which is God's love. It wasn't their love for God, but God's love for them. First, see, it's not about your love for God. First John says, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Thank you, Jesus. So, your first, say, my first love, my first love. is not my love for God. It's God's love for you. Sometimes, sometimes the church acts like, okay, when you first get saved, then there's the honeymoon stage. You just enjoy the Father's love, okay? Then after that honeymoon, then uh, you get the do-do list. You got this time to go to work now. Work for God. You owe him. What do we owe him? What, what? See, th th this kind of mentality when it keeps you working your butt to death. We don't owe him anything because it's paid. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it's paid. This, but there's a mentality, man, God has done so much for you. Look at you. What you doing for him? Preacher's good at that. See, God, again, where is he? Where's Jesus? He walking among the churches. He's not up in heaven throwing lightning bolts of condemnation on us. Come on, somebody making us feel bad, making us feel guilty. See, what are you doing with the, see, can, can you see, anybody seen already when you're looking at Revelation through the eyes of the, of the cross? I didn't make this stuff up. He said in 1 John 4, herein is love. This is love. You want to know what it is? Here it is. Not that we love God. <laughs> and see, we just read past that. I used to just read past that. Because if you're not looking through with sunglasses on, you miss it. Not that we love God, but he loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody getting help today? See, what they did, they, they, the foremost love is, is the perfect love of the Father, and that's what they left. There's no, there's not no honeymoon stage that's only so long, and then you go to work. The marriage is the honeymoon. Oh, Y'all missed that. The marriage is the honeymoon. We stay in honeymoon mode. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. See, God's love is like the sunshine. They left the sunshine and went into the shade. Aren't we supposed to love others? Aren't we supposed to love him? Yeah, but see, what you do is you reflect. You can't love others. You can't even love yourself <laughs> until you receive the love that the Father has for you because then you begin to rest and you're secure. When somebody's loved, they're secure. And then when, when you, you're secure in his love, you don't need anybody else to complete you. We're going to get into this later. You don't identify as I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering porn addict. Well, the problem with that is you are identifying yourself with a problem. I am a recovering uh, addict. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
You might be tempted with that, with, 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 uh, with them drugs. But right before you take that, take that uh, puff of weed, say, I am the righteousness of God. Now, you may still take a puff, but right before you say it, instead of saying, I'm a recovering drug addict, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you keep doing that, it's a pastor encouraging people to smoke weed. I am not. You're not listening. You came in here late. If you came in here on that, just rewind it. Get the whole thing. So if you keep saying that, pretty soon you won't pick up, you won't, you won't pick up the Coke. You won't pick up the, I guess you don't pick up the Coke, but you won't. See, some people think you've been a pastor all your life. I haven't been a pastor all my life. I used to do coke and all that kind of stuff. I used to sell drugs on campus. I was the reason that McDonald's went to those flat um, stirs for the coffee. It used to be, they used to be little spoons. That's all I'm going to say about that. So your, your first love, all things have passed away, all things become new. I don't even know that person. That person don't even exist. That person's gone. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not a recovering drug addict. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. See, just like the prodigal son, so, see, they left their first love. They, they, they walked away from their father's love. God's love is like the sunshine. You stay in the sunshine. Don't go in the shade. Thank you, Lord. Uh, now, now, if you were to ask this church, do you love the Lord? Now, now here, here, here you go. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Now, after all that, if you ask some people, some of these hard-working churches, people that are going to church every single day, and they're, man, they're working there, they got their nose to the grindstone. If you ask them, do they love the Lord? If you were to ask this Ephesian church, do you love the Lord? They would say, man, of course. <laughs> Look at all this stuff we're doing. Look at all this work we're doing for the Lord. What are y'all doing? Y'all talking about resting. We are working for the Lord because, see, because a, a, a lot of, like, if you look at this wrong, you, you can equate working hard for, being, for loving God. And they're trying to earn God's acceptance. They're trying to prove to God that they love him. God don't want you to prove nothing to him. Thank you, Lord. You know, the, one, the ones that work hardest in the church, and pastors, man, I'm telling you, man, what do I look like as a pastor trying to teach people not to work? I'm not doing that. But when, when people, you know, the best workers are people that they know in their heart, the Lord put on my heart to work in the children's ministry. Not because, all right, y'all just bring your kids in here. And just take them over there. Don't you realize that those people are missing church? And we need more people. And, and, and y'all just sitting out there, you're doing nothing. You just, you don't even think about it. You just take your kids over there. You come in here and flop yourself down in that seat. Don't you know we need more workers and, and, and nobody wants to work. You would drop your kids off. You let somebody else keep, but you won't do anything. I used to say stuff like that. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for people who have patience with me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's why it's important to be in the right church. And you look past the imperfections. Y'all hung around long enough for me to get a hold of grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, man, I got I to gotta rise out of y'all for that. Amen. Some of you new folk, man, y'all don't know how I used to be, man. I'm a testimony in of itself. Praise God. You can just be thankful. If you don't know, ask somebody. 
I remember Sister Gloria leaned over with uh, An Angie Love, and uh, Angie moved to Indianapolis. She said, uh, when I got a hold of Grace and started preaching, and she looked over, and uh, Angie asked her, you understand that, uh, what Pastor's talking about? She said, nope, but I ain't going nowhere. Amen. When you know you're in the right church, just hang in there. Yeah, they, 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 they thought, they, they thought, they thought, they thought that they loved the Lord because they equated their love to how much they were doing. But, but Jesus said, you left. You know, the remarkable thing about this is if anybody should have known this, it was the Ephesians. Like I said, their foundations were laid by the apostle, uh, was, was Paul, the apostle Paul. And, and he wrote things like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, all about the love of God. John, is the apostle John, the apostle of love, Paul's apostle of grace. John, the apostle of love, was, was one of their members. So, perhaps more than any other church, they were built on the revelation of Christ's great love. But they wondered. They forgot the most important thing of all, which was to remain in the love of God. And you know what? If we're going to draw any lessons from this, it's this. If it can happen to the Ephesians... It can happen to us today. You could wander from the love of God. How? By working yourself to distraction and try to earn what God freely provides. I love the silence. Y'all listening, aren't you? This is how you can wonder from the love of God. Now, this is, if, if you just like tuned in right here and heard that statement, that's why it's, it's important that you to hear the whole thing, hear the context of what I'm saying. It can sound crazy because there are a lot of churches that do this entire or do this exact same thing. They're working hard and trying to earn something that's already finished. You're already accepted. You're already highly favored. Some people, are, they're working to try to earn God's blessings. But see, God's blessings, they're, they're unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. Thank you, Lord. So that Jesus would speak of the, the Ephesians' labor and... Their lost love, it speaks volumes. These folks, this busy church, they, had, they, they just had too much going on. Okay? They, they were living in the busiest church in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. Is, as I said, it's not Asia as we know it today. They, they were, were in the busiest city and burning themselves out. And what they were doing, listen to this, what they were doing working hard was getting in the way of what they weren't doing, and that is receiving from Jesus. Which is why Jesus told them, stop what you're doing and return to what you did before. Remember, verse 5. Remember, therefore, everybody say remember. remember. Therefore, from where you have, where did they fall from? The love that the Father had for them. Repent and do the first works. Hmm. So, in what sense had they fallen? Okay, in the same way that the Galatians 
have fallen from grace back under the law. That's what the book of Galatians was about. The Ephesians, on the other hand, they fell from the high place of their father's love to the pit of dead works. They were trying instead of trusting, striving instead of, instead of resting. And so they wore themselves out. Now, this is very important to know, uh, to understand. Had they fallen out of the kingdom? No. Now, it's just like, see, so, so when they fall, see, they weren't, they weren't in danger of falling out of the kingdom of God or losing their salvation. See, because when we fall, even when we get off, and if, if those of you have left your first love, the love that the Father has for you, so just come back. Come back to it. See, and, he, and he's going to tell us how to return to our first love. But see, if you, if you fall and you fall off, you fall into the kingdom. It's just kind of like Noah's ark. You know, Noah, Noah's ark was a, see, Jesus is all through the scriptures. The scriptures are all about Jesus. Noah's ark represented Jesus. And I'm sure that as they were, you know, God destroyed the earth through the flood. And so, the, you know, Noah and the eight, the, all the, the eight passengers there, I mean, they're, they're, they're rocking on, the, on those seas, right? You know that there had to be rocking some people. They, they had to be falling down. But you know what? When they fell, they fell in the ark. <laughs> they didn't fall out, fall out into the water. So in Christ, the ark is a type of Jesus Christ. And so when we, when we fall in Christ, we're still in Christ. So what does he tell, tell them to do? You got to fill in the blank, blank there. It looks like it's just out there in the middle of nowhere. It means put remember in there. Remember. This one word from the Lord shows us the way back to our Father's love and grace. He just said, remember. I don't give no altar calls for backsliders and assurance of salvation. All you didn't do just change. Change your mind. Repent. We'll get to that later. Change your mind. Because some people, they get these altar calls for salvation, backsliders, and people come up every week. Because <laughs> the devil tells them, you backslid. Look what you did. Because they're equating, like, what they do with their salvation instead of depending on the finished work of Jesus. If you get off, just get back on track. And the best way to get back on track is re receive, don't, just get back to your first love. This one word shows us the way back to our Father's love and grace. Is remember. Remember when you first got saved. What did, what did the prodigal son do? Or, or, or why, did he, why did he head home? Because he remembered the height from which he had fallen. I mean, he, he's there living with the pigs. He said, man, I remember, man, <laughs> man my, the, my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare. And I'm sitting here smoking these drugs, man, <laughs> wasting my money on these prostitutes. He started remembering how good he had it. When he's under his father's love, and his older brother didn't know how good he had it. Neither one of them understood the father's love. Even when he came, when he came back, he, he came back because he remembered. But when he got there, he was rehearsing his speech. And he was going to say, make me one of my hires, make me one of the higher servants, because that's what his mindset was. Look, the higher service is better than what I'm, I'm eating, eating the pig stuff, man. I I got, to get up, I got to get up out of here. <laughs> Amen. But he said, look, I'm, just make me one of the higher services. The father stopped him. He didn't even let him spit out that nonsense. He's, he's like, look, bring out the best robe, put it on. 
Those of you who think you've got to earn God's acceptance in his favor, let, let me ask you, when you messed up, got to earn your way back. Really? Let me ask you this. What did the prodigal son do to earn the robe, the ring, the shoes? What did I say? Did I say something wrong? What, 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 so what did this prodigal have to do to earn his way back? What did he do? What? See, this is really not, not as much about the, the son as it is about the daddy. And, and this, this is just to show you how much, uh, what, how the kingdom operates. The father's mindset. Who, the fa who your father is. Not who religion has, has made him out to be. Religion says you got to earn your way back. Our father said, put the best robe on him. What did he do to deserve the robe? Shoes on his feet. Ring on his finger. Not just any robe. Go get, the, go get that robe that, that uh, we get ready to give to goodwill. No, he said, put, get the best robe. After he wasted all his money on prostitutes. Religion tells you when folks come back after they mess up, told you so. See what happens? See what happens when you stop coming to church? <laughs> I believe in going to church. I'm in church right now. What are you talking about? I'm just talking about this, this the father's attitude, man. Bring the best robe on him. And that older brother, so he didn't even really understand the father's love. His older brother was in the room, wouldn't come to the party. And pull out that fatty cat. Go get the ribs. Goodness. Older brother, he don't understand because he thinks that he's, de he's deserving. Because I never left. And I work hard. That's how these Ephesians felt. I mean, I thought, shoot, what you talking about? Left my first love. Lord, all this we doing is for you. Mm-mm. You should remember. Um, so how, anybody out there, you may be in this boat of the Ephesians right now, just listening to me right now, listen to this. How do we get off the hamster wheel of, of, of wearisome religion? By remembering the love of God that we experienced when we first met Jesus. Now, it's, it's worth noting that the word remember is the first imperative verb. Everybody say imperative verb. Imperative. I'm, I'm about to pack up my bags here. A minute, but hold on. It's the first imperative verb in the seven letters. What's an imperative verb? It's an action verb that is conveyed as a command. An action word conveyed as a command. So in the letter to the Ephesians, there are three imperatives, and they're all found in this verse, verse 5. Remember, Repent and do. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Jesus doesn't say, I want you to do more of this and less of that. He's not an old covenant preacher laying down rules for better living. He's a new covenant preacher calling us to remember, to recollect, and recall the way things work. What are we supposed to remember? How much Jesus loves us. We're not to remember our faults and failings. We're to remember the Lord and the matchless demonstration of his love for us. Everybody say remember. remember. This is the remedy for the Ephesians. 
and overworked Christians. It's the way home. Everybody say the way home. It's the way home for those who have gone astray. So before we repent and before we do, we, we need to remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's all, folks. Get some out of this today? Yeah. Amen. We're going to talk about next time uh, how we repent, the deeds that we do at the first, what deeds did we do at the first. We're going to address that. Still dealing with this church at Ephesus. Religious busyness. We're going to get into that. Talk more about work what it means to remove a lampstand. God never said he was going to take the, he was going to blow that candle out. <laughs> Destroy the lampstand. See, these are religious interpretations of that. He just said he would remove it. I'm going to talk about what that means. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you no person will need, leave here with their spiritual needs.